Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One of the things I love about Netflix is the abundance of documentaries. You can watch documentaries on uh, virtually any subject you can imagine. And uh, sometimes even if it's something that you lived through or something that you're familiar with, it's nice to remind yourself of of that moment in time and that perspective that, you know, what, being separated from it by several years may have fogged your memory of exactly where the world was at and what people were thinking. I was watching today a documentary produced by CNN called The 80s. And apparently they have one on the 70s. I don't know how many of these they have. But uh, I was attracted to the one about the 80s. You know, that's when I was a kid. I grew up in the 80s. And so it's interesting to go back and get a, an adult point of view on things that I remember when I was a child. And the particular episode that I was watching today was about the Cold War between the United States and the Soviet Union. And it culminated in the fall of the Berlin Wall. And so I'm watching all of these images of, of people, you know, celebrating access to freedom, flocking over this barrier that had separated them from a repressive regime uh, or, or encased them within it and separated them from an opportunity to be free. I'm watching the wall coming down. I'm watching people crying, you know, tears of joy at the opportunity to have a better life. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, and I'm watching folks like Ted Koppel, right, who, you know, just a week ago was bemoaning the fact that we have basically too much freedom, right? A cacophony of voices. There are too many people in the public discourse. We're not getting our news metered to us from appropriate sources. And and Peter Jennings and other folks of that nature, you know, t- celebrating, talking about how momentous it is, how historic it is that the Berlin Wall is falling. And the question I'm asking myself is, what was it specifically that folks wanted to come over the Berlin Wall, what they wanted to break through the Berlin Wall to obtain? Was it an individual mandate, right? I think it was groceries. Was it, um, yes, (laughs) Brad. (laughs) Leave it to Brad to cut to the chase. Quite literally groceries. Yes, that is what they were coming here for. But you know, what was it was it a a guaranteed issue that of insurance, you know, that you would get coverage for pre existing conditions? Uh was it mandates um for minimum wages and, and, and things of that nature? You know, is, is that what drew people to the West? The guarantee of their quote rights, unquote, as defined by the left. And the reason why I ask this question isn't just to once again rag on the left, which I'm more than happy to do. The left deserves to be ragged on. But more specifically and directly tonight, to call into question what the Republican Party, what's the point of it? What's the point of the Republican Party? I'm in a very cynical mood tonight. 
based upon the headlines uh, that I have to present to you, the headlines that I'm reading, the things that are being presented to me. You know, it's not my natural place. I'm not naturally, uh, you know, cynical. I, I, this is just my rational reaction to the things that I'm reading. And the question that I'm presenting to you, you know, I really, it's, I guess it's a kind of, it might be therapy on my part, right? I might be asking you to, to talk me off this ledge, right? What's the Republican Party for? Why should I care? You know, and, and I understand we need to defeat the left, right? That's the, that's the point. That's why we all needed to vote for Donald Trump, because we need to defeat the left. To what end? And what happens when the Republican Party also becomes the left? How do we defeat it then? This is Closing Argument. My name is Walter Hudson. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, 651-989-5855 is the number to join us. We are here 9 to 11 weeknights. We are live and local this evening. You can catch us streaming at TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com and your iHeartRadio app. Let's get into your blazing new hotness. That is uh, blazing new hotness. These are some of the headlines that have me in the mood that I'm in right now. From the Star Tribune, Dayton budget chief labels GOP spending plans alternative math. Governor Mark Dayton's budget director on Wednesday blasted legislative Republicans for relying on what he called alternative math in their spending proposals, which he said would hurt critical services provided by the state of Minnesota. Commissioner Myron Franz of Minnesota Management and Budget said he would advise Dayton to veto the Republican-crafted bills, which together compromised the GOP's blueprint for spending more than $40 billion in taxpayer funds in the next two years. With about six weeks left in the legislative session, Franz comments and an equally sharp response from House Speaker Kurt Doubt, Republican from Crown, raise the prospect of the kind of politically contentious, messy finale that in recent years produced multiple special sessions and a government shutdown. Uh, later on in the show, we're going to get into some, uh, some polling on how people feel about government shutdowns. That should be interesting, so stay tuned for that. This is setting up a dynamic that just doesn't look very fruitful, said Franz, who alleged that the Republican budget measures contain, quote, fake savings, unquote. Dot responded with his own charge of, quote, fuzzy math, unquote, from the administration and noted their criticism came before Republicans even finished approving all the budget measures. House and Senate votes on a series of spending measures have come in recent days accompanied by lengthy debates. The governor talking about vetoing bills before we've even passed them takes this rhetoric here at St. Paul to a whole new level, Doubt said. Now, here comes the part that has me in the mood that I'm in. Minnesota is projected to have a $1.65 billion surplus over the next two-year budget cycle. And Dayton and GOP leaders are split on how best to use that money. Dayton's $46 billion budget plan includes new spending on priority areas like education and transportation and modest tax breaks for some Minnesotans, and it leaves about $200 million on the state's bottom line. House Republicans would spend about $1 billion less. $1 billion less on state programs than Dayton, and propose to use the bulk of the surplus, $1.35 billion, on tax cuts and credits. Senate Republicans approved a $900 million tax cut, spending increases on transportation and targeted cuts similar to those in the House plan. Both the House and Senate would reduce or cut spending on a wide range of state departments and programs. Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka of Nishwa said his plan takes purposeful steps to set aside money for new spending needs. Uh, let's skip down here to the, to the meaty part where Kurt Doubt 
gets uh, <laughs> gets all campaigny about running for governor. Uh, let's see. Responding to questions about those cuts, Doubt faulted Dayton for expanding spending in human services and other areas and for his, quote, inability to make the departments operate more effectively and efficiently. You know, this is this is where Republicans are at right now, that what they're offering is more efficient and effective spending of your money. Right. <laughs> more efficient and effective big government. Man, that sounds sexy, man. I'm just ready to go out and campaign now. I'm ready to to kick in some campaign donations and walk in some parades, you know, and do everything I can to elect Republicans so we can have more efficient and effective big government. Is that how it works? That's how it works. Doubt considered a top GOP prospect for governor next year suggested Minnesotans want someone other than Dayton making spending decisions for the state. Almost one in five Minnesotans now are on medical assistance, he said. And if the governor thinks that's great and good prosperity and that's how Minnesota should operate, I think Minnesotans need to start looking for a new governor. That's the quote from Doubt. Now, look, I, do I have a problem with what Doubt's saying there? Not at all. I think he, that that is the right thing to say in a vacuum outside of any other context. My question is, what's the alternative that you're offering? Right. What's your what's your value proposition? What is the Republican Party proposing to voters, to Minnesotans and on the national level to Americans as a whole that is fundamentally different than what the Democrats are proposing? Because the common theme that you're going to see in these articles that we go through here this hour when we talk about you know where we're at with party politics. The common theme is that what Republicans tend to propose Certainly, once they actually get in a position to do something, as they are now with the, the majorities that they enjoy uh, in Washington, D.C., what they tend to propose is, hey, you know, we're going to do exactly all the things you love from the Democrats, right? All those things that are, that are so popular with the Democratic constituency and that, and that folks in the middle tend to like, too, because it sounds good and it feels good. We're going to do all that stuff. We're just not going to pay for it. We're going to cut taxes, too, so that we just, you know, increase the debt on the national level. Or, you know, we're going to, we're going to increase spending, but not increase it commiserate with uh, or commensurate with inflation so that the programs that you like and that we are essentially agreeing. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Government ought to engage in because we're funding them. You know, we're just going to make sure that those aren't sustainable. And we're going to call it efficient and effective. I don't understand how that works, how that's actually a value proposition to anybody. Because if you're a Democratic voter, you're going to look at that and say, wow, I, so let me get this straight. You're not going to fund the things that I think are great about government, right? And then if you go to a principled Republican voter, they're going to say, wow, you agree with the Democrats. Why should I support that, right? Who, who is this constituency that wants all the things that the Democrats want but doesn't want to pay for it. Explain that to me.
651-989-5855. Steve in St. Paul, welcome to Closing Argument. Yes, good uh, evening. Uh, great show as always. Uh, I'm a state employee from a certain, uh, which shall be nameless, agency. Um, I see these guys printing off about 1,000 sheets of paper uh, every day to um, do their little calculations or what have you. I think if they upgraded the state's computer system, they may be able to save some money and save some trees that the uh, DFL tree huggers love to uh, help preserve. But uh, every morning about at least two reams to three reams of paper, I see these guys printing off. Sure, sure. Great insight, Steve. I appreciate your call. I appreciate that point. Yeah, you know, that's the case that Brad's always making about the military, right? You yeah. Know, it's it's not enough to just spend more money. That's not going to make you safer. Right. You need to actually question how that money's being spent and whether or not there are efficiencies to seek in the process. Yeah, I you know, sorry to be a Debbie Downer tonight, guys, but you know, I, I can only bring to you the real me. It it takes it takes too much effort to pretend to be happy. Right. It takes too much effort to pretend to be okay with what I see happening in the news, what I see coming out of this Republican Party. So, hey, you know, if you can present a rational argument for why I ought to feel differently, please. 651-989-5855. We'll be back momentarily. Closing argument. My name's Walter Hudson. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, com. Yeah, that's right. Drew's been in Florida for the past few days. Yeah. You know, I, I got to say, I'm not I'm not too ashamed to say I'm jealous of that. You know, we went uh, to Disney World not too long ago, and uh, it's a good time down there. You know, I don't have extravagant tastes, you know? Like, I, I don't aspire to the trappings of wealth, but the, the two extravagant things that I would like to have in, in my life if I ever had the opportunity is, one— an airplane like just it doesn't matter what it could be a little cessna but just like an airplane that i own and get to fly around that would be kind of cool and number two a vacation home in florida you know that i that i owned and could rent out throughout the year and then go down there you know whenever it was convenient and what have you those those if i had those two things i'd like to think i mean i know this is a pipe dream because you know you never feel satisfied this in, in this life but uh that's the attainment that's the dream for me you know if i could get to those two things so drew got a little taste of that he'll be back tomorrow morning i'm sure uh you guys will be happy to see him and he'll be happy to hear from you this is closing argument my name is walter hudson twin cities news talk am 1130 103.5 fm 651-989-5855 you catch the program streaming twincitiesnewstalk.com and on your iheart radio app we are here 9 to 11 weeknights tonight i am uh, bemoaning the state of, well, everything, but specifically the Republican Party. From Politico. The White House's last latest last-ditch effort to save the GOP's Obamacare replacement bill hit a brick wall Tuesday night as conservative and moderate Republicans met and realized they had two very different understandings of the changes sought by top Trump officials. Conservatives in the House Freedom Caucus say Vice President Mike Pence, Chief of Staff Reince Priebus and Budget Director Mick Mulvaney sought to win their votes by offering a repeal of major Obamacare regulations during a Monday night meeting. But moderates who met with the same Trump officials hours before were told the changes wouldn't be as far reaching. The discrepancy in what was or was not promised became increasingly apparent throughout the day Tuesday, according to multiple sources across the spectrum of the House Republican Conference. 
A late-night huddle with Pence and the leaders of all the GOP caucuses in the basement of the Capitol failed to clarify the issue, leaving Hill insiders speculating whether the White House offered two different potential deals or lawmakers selectively heard what they wanted. Now, I, I would like to think, in the best-case scenario, it's that latter situation, right, where they heard what they wanted to hear, the, the, the proposal was presented the same to both, and they just heard it differently. I have a hard time believing that's what happened. I have a hard time believing that that was the case, which kind of begs the question, what are you trying to accomplish by, I mean, you got to know that these guys talk to each other, right? You got to know that if you're offering one thing to one sub-caucus and another thing to another sub-caucus, that within 24 hours, it it's going to leak from both sides and they're both going to be disappointed. So what exactly is the strategy here? That's one criticism. But the broader criticism is why... Do we even need, why is this even happening? Republicans control everything in Washington, D.C. They control the House. They control the Senate. They have the White House. Why are we debating over whether or not any aspect of Obamacare ought to remain? What I, I, I seem to recall people being pretty vehement about wanting to repeal Obamacare, not to trim it. Not to fix it, not to repair it, although some were honest enough to say that in, the, in recent months, but to repeal it. What does repeal mean to you? To me, it means get rid of it, right? It means push the reset button, it's gone. And when they tacked replace on there, my understanding was, okay, they, they want to actually go in there and, 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 and this is kind of what they're talking about here, where the different caucuses came away with their different impressions of what was going to happen. As voters, we do that too, right? When Barack Obama came along and said hope and change, voters latched onto that and imposed whatever they thought hope and change was, right? In similar fashion, when Donald Trump came along last year and talked about America first, different groups of voters imposed whatever they thought that meant onto America first and just assumed that that's what Trump meant. This is a mistake that we often make in politics and that we're meant to make in politics. It's a trick, see? And the trick, and I fell for it. I fell for it with this repeal argument. I thought they actually meant they wanted to repeal it. And when they started to talk about replace, I assumed, based upon all of the rhetoric that I've heard over the past eight years, that they intended to replace it with actual market-based patient-centered, that was the other catchphrase, right? Market-based reforms that actually put us closer to a free market than we had prior to Obamacare. But apparently, that was just silliness from the Daily Wire. For weeks since the collapse of Trump care in the House, establishment Republican leaders have blamed conservatives for their supposed intransigence. President Trump said that the House Freedom Caucus ensured that Obamacare would remain in place. His allies suggested that conservatives simply didn't understand the strictures of reconciliation and wanted too much from the Trump care bill. It turns out that they were all fibbing. Just as conservatives suspected, reconciliation was merely an excuse not to touch the central provisions of Obamacare. For seven years, Republicans promised to repeal Obamacare root and branch. When given the opportunity, they crafted a replacement bill that kept all the major central premises of Obamacare. There was a reason for that. They agreed with Obamacare. They just complained about it to get elected. Today's proof comes from Representative Patrick McHenry, from uh, North Carolina, the Republican House Chief Deputy Whip. He explained, 
I was once in the individual marketplace. My family history is really bad. With his backdrop, he continued, if you look at a cross-section of the conference, they have similar positions about similar provisions, pre-existing conditions, guarantee issue, and medical underwriting are components of that. Then he offered the coup de grace. The core provisions here are really important protections. That's your statement from your chief deputy whip in the Republican Party in Washington, D.C. The core provisions of Obamacare are really important protections. Wow, I don't recall that being on anybody's lawn sign. I don't recall that being uh, on anybody's uh, fundraising emails or letters. Those core provisions are the heart of Obamacare. Once you have mandated coverage for pre-existing conditions, there are only two ways to keep the market working, massive subsidies or an individual mandate. There is no third option. Yet Republicans spent years decrying both, which means they were lying. And that means no deal is forthcoming on repeal of Obamacare because the Republican caucus doesn't want to repeal it. Mike Needham, head of Heritage Action, says that the Congressional Republican Tuesday group is actively killing compromise bills because I think the Tuesday group clearly wants to keep Obamacare in place. Just as they complained for years about Barack Obama's executive amnesty, then left it in place, Republicans did the same with Obamacare. And President Trump isn't likely to push them. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Since he agrees with their general assessment, why own Obamacare when you can let it fail? Then expand it in accordance with centralized government principles. That from uh, Ben Shapiro over at the Daily Wire. Meanwhile, in this in this wonderfully healthy uh, delivery on the principles and values that Republicans campaign on, we get this from Politico: Freedom Caucus warns leadership on tax reform. We're about to see the same drama pan out. Uh, in our deliberation over taxes. We'll get into that when we come back. This is Closing Argument. My name is Walter Hudson. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, com. Members of the Conservative Freedom Caucus are demanding to be included in negotiations on tax reform to keep it from meeting the same embarrassing fate as the GOP's effort to repeal Obamacare. That from Politico. We'll dig into it as we continue to ask, what is what are we getting for all our efforts to elect Republicans? This is Closing Argument. My name is Walter Hudson, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, 651-989-5855 to join us here on the program. We are here 9 to 11 weeknights. Catch us streaming at TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com and on your iHeartRadio device. The head of the ultra-conservative group said Monday evening that lawmakers need to see the draft of the tax overhaul bill before it's leaked to the media, which is what happened on the health care repeal bill. That measure failed in large part because it was written by leadership and Freedom Caucus members felt they had no input. When a member sees the text for the first time in a leaked draft from Politico, therein is a problem. 
said Representative Mark Meadows. House Ways and Means members are working on a reform bill, even as it remains unclear what role the White House will play in shaping the outcome. And as even Republicans are divided amongst themselves over key parts of the plan. Rumors swirled on Capitol Hill on Tuesday that the Trump administration was studying ways to pay for tax cuts that could include a carbon tax or a value-added tax, rumors the White House later denied. Well, I wouldn't put it past him. Wouldn't put it past him at all. The Ways and Means Committee continues to plan to move a bill of its own this spring. Meadows praised outreach to date from Ways and Means Committee Chairman Kevin Brady of Texas and the plan of the panel's tax subcommittee, uh, Representative Peter Roskam. But Brady has been noncommittal about when a draft might be released and goes on to offer more details. So the point here is, again, this is not Republicans negotiating with a Democratic executive. It's not like, you know, the state legislature. Where that's that's the one defense, and it's, it is it is a credible defense, right? Hey, we've got split government. We've got divided government. We have to govern, right? We were elected to govern. We were elected to serve our constituents. They don't all agree with us, and we need to come to some compromise that actually results in a functional government. I understand that argument. That argument has a certain degree of merit, right? But in Washington, D.C., that is not the situation we find ourselves in right now. Republicans control everything. Were they united, they could do just about anything they want. And yet, they can't seem to come to terms with ideas which, when they're in the minority, they're all uniformly around rhetorically. You know, repeal Obamacare was something that everybody was chirping back when they had no chance of actually doing it. But as soon as the opportunity arose... Well, now, now it's complicated. Now, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if we can deal with all this. There are certain things about it. You know, all of its core provisions, all the things that make it Obamacare that are, that are great and wonderful and we want to retain. So, you know, it's, it's going to be really complicated. And those, those conservatives in the Freedom Caucus, man, I tell you what, they are just intransigent. They are the real problem. Uh, you know, those people who actually took all their campaign promises seriously and actually intended to come here and do what they said and repeal Obamacare for real, root and branch, um, you know, they're the real problem. They're the real problem. So 538 has an analysis, two cracks in the Republican Party. Donald Trump promised to come to Washington and get government working again, but the stunning failure of President Trump and Paul Ryan's first legislative priority, the American Health Care Act, reveals that he underestimated a unique fracture of the modern Republican Party. Yes, moderate and very conservative Republicans were against the AHCA for very different reasons, making it difficult to find common ground. But there was also a second fissure that helped to take down the American Health Care Act. It was the same one that took down Eric Cantor and John Boehner and that has bedeviled government for years. Call it establishment versus anti-establishment or belief in governance versus political purity or fealty to ideology over party or more simply the beliefs of the Freedom Caucus. So again here, the, the running theme is that it's the Freedom Caucus that is the problem here. It's ideology that's the problem, particularly conservative ideology that's the problem. It's never the left's ideology that's the problem, right? It's never the idea that we ought to initiate force uh, from government to interfere in the most intimate details of people's lives. That's not an ideological position. That's not radical. That's not crazy. It's only these people who believe in freedom, who believe in liberty, 
who believe in the free market and founding principles and the Constitution and the letter and spirit of the law. It's only those kooks who are out to lunch and who need to be opposed. Back to 538. Conservative Republicans were not any likelier than the average House Republican to oppose the AHCA. Although the bill was never brought to a vote, we can still get a pretty good idea of who opposed it by using whip counts from news organizations. Specifically, we'll take a look at the Republicans who voiced concerns about the bill or who said they would vote against it, according to the New York Times and the Washington Post. And then it goes down into a breakdown of uh, statistically how they determined whether or not a certain member is conservative or moderate and whether or not a member is less establishment or more establishment, which, you know, it makes for some interesting reading as to how they measure that. A slight majority of the would-be no votes came from House members who were more moderate than the average Republican. Indeed, it seemed in the final days that more and more of the no votes were coming from the more moderate wing of the party. There are 110 GOP representatives who rate as more conservative than the average Republican House member, and only 23 of them oppose the AHCA or expressed reservations about it. So what this tells you uh, is that the, it, what killed the bill was the moderates, right? What killed the bill was the fact, was all those lying Republicans that Ben Shapiro was talking about over at the Daily Wire. The fact that they didn't actually want to repeal Obamacare. They didn't actually want to get rid of the core provisions, the defining provisions that made it what it is, that make it what it is. Because they don't really disagree with it. They like it. They want to keep it. It's right up their alley. And never mind what they said in the campaign. You know, Never mind what the, what the Republican Party is consistently campaigning on when they're in the minority. They got power now. And, and the most important thing at this point for them is to keep it and expand it. And they don't see a path to doing that, certainly not an easy path, by taking away provisions that are popular. And covering pre-existing conditions is popular, you know? Covering your kid until he's 26 years, old, 26 years old, that's popular. Mandating guaranteed coverage, guaranteed acceptance in certain circumstances, very popular provision. We got to keep those things. Never mind all these references we make to, to liberty and the free market and how wonderful it is uh, to adhere to the Constitution, what have you. That's just all talk. That's just all, you know, that's something we put on the fundraising emails and the fundraising letters for the suckers who we go to, you know, to hit them up for five, 10, 15, 20, 25 dollars, hundred dollar donations, you know, every couple of years. And they keep sending them in. They keep sending those donations right in. So as long as they're willing to do that, as long as they're willing to keep marching alongside us in parades, as long as they're willing to keep pulling that lever for us every two years in November, we're just going to keep this con game going. We're going to keep this hacky sack right up in the air. We're going to keep feeding them lines about the Constitution and freedom and liberty and the free market. And then once we get in there, we're going to do what we want. We're going to do what's politically expedient because we're more concerned about those independent voters who swing from right to left or who could go either way and who actually like all this socialist stuff that they've been sold by the left. And it's way too much work to actually try to convince people, to actually try to influence the culture that our ideas are better, that our ideas are actually morally superior and not only provide better outcomes, but actually align with the facts of reality. That's too hard. That would require work. And we're not in the business of doing work. We're in the business of getting elected in the most expedient manner possible. It, am I leaving anything out, Brad? 
Uh, well, just the fact that if you donate $25 to your favorite political candidate, you sign up actually for $50 worth of junk mail. <laughs> That's a solid point. Back to 538. Those conservatives who said they were against the AHCA or at least had issues with it had a key thing in common. 20 of the 23 were in the lower right-hand quadrant. And, you know, you'd have to actually see it to know what they're talking about. This quadrant represents more conservative members who also have negative scores on the second dimension, um, which which is to say that they are anti-establishment. Congressional scholar Sean uh, Threalt calls this dimension partisan warfare, suggesting that it identifies legislators who are more interested in scoring political points than in crafting policy. Now, that is a real problem, right? You you, you do get, and I, I judged, I deemed Ted, a lot of Ted Cruz's theatrics uh, in the past several years as falling into that category of not really being aimed toward actually getting anything accomplished, just trying to make a point, just trying to have something to, again, put on his fundraising letters, you know, drive his fundraising emails, what have you. That said, if Ted Cruz was president right now, I'm pretty sure we wouldn't be seeing Trump care proposed in in the form that we saw it right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, and th- that's probably a fair statement. So, you know, the question that I'm presenting here, and we can get into it next segment here, is what is the point? What is the point of of party politics of being involved in the Republican Party and electing Republicans and par- party loyalty, because this, you know, we hear this all the time. And if you if you're involved, you're used to hearing it. The idea that oh, we got to win elections, we got to elect more Republicans, we got to get majorities, we got to win the governor's race, we got to get somebody in the White House. You know, we just got to win, we got to win, we got to win, and eventually, someday, some point, way way down the line, at the end of the yellow brick lo- brick road, we'll finally get to click our heels and go home to the conservative nirvana. And it never even comes remotely close to happening. So what's the point? When we come back, I'll uh, (laughs) continue my little rant. This is Closing Argument. My name is Walter Hudson, 651-989-5855. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, com. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Look, I get it. I understand that there are concessions that one needs to make where when they are in engaged in statecraft, right? You don't get to have all of the things that you want. We don't elect lords, we don't elect kings. You know, you don't get to just go into the state legislature as a a house member or a senator or what have you or even, you know, into the governor's mansion or to the White House and just wave a magic wand and get everything that you want. And merely being intransigent, merely saying this is the way it ought to be and I'm not going to accept anything short of that is not going to bring about your vision for how government ought to operate. I understand that, right? I'm not advocating being unreasonable to the point of not being able to function as a political party or being able to function as a governing majority. That's not the object here. My frustration is the fact that there doesn't even seem to be at, at the heart of Republican statecraft efforts right now, no matter what level you're looking at, state or national. There doesn't seem to be general agreement on the overall goal of what it is that we're trying to bring into existence in public policy. You know, like the closest thing you get are these expressions of efficiency, 
and effectiveness and cutting out, you know, waste, fraud, and abuse and what have you. And that that doesn't that doesn't mean anything. You're not you're not going to change. You're not you're not offering anything of value there, right? You're, all you're doing is saying we're going to offer you exactly the same thing that the Democrats are offering you. You know, we're just going to make sure the the trains run more on time than they do. Okay, well, but they're actually saying that all because see the problem with that is you're conceding the premise that all of the things that the Democrats want are good. That's the problem with Republicans, moderate Republicans, making all these concessions about how great the core provisions of Obamacare are. They're conceding the premise that government ought to be involved in this most intimate area of your life, how you seek and obtain health care, right? Whether it's something daily, whether it's something chronic or persistent, or whether it's an emergency or whatever the case may be, you know, government is going to dictate that, and Republicans are conceding the premise that that's okay, and not only that it's okay, but that your neighbor ought to pay for it. That young people, young healthy people, ought to subsidize the care of the old and the sick. Well, if you're going to concede those premises, then the left has won. And this whole notion that we need to defeat the left, we need to win elections in order to defeat the left. You can't defeat the left when you are the left. When you're, when you're presenting the exact same value proposition as the left, only a crappier version of it, then why should anybody vote for you? Republicans got lucky this last time. They got lucky because they happened to trip into an, an, a, a culmination or a nexus of various pushback against the status quo. People were sick and tired of being told they were racist. They were sick and tired of being told that they, that they were horrible because they're Americans. They were sick and tired of being told that they need to be second, third, fourth, and fifth instead of first on the global stage. Right. They felt like they were completely disconnected from what was going on uh, in Washington and in their state capitals. They blamed Democrats for it. And they also were sick and tired of a media trying to sell them opinion as unmitigated objective fact. All those things conspired to get them to go for the, And let's not forget that Democrats, a large segment of the Democrat electorate, was completely disillusioned with the option that they had in the form of Hillary Clinton. So you had a lot of people who were unplugged on their side and a lot of frustration both in the middle and on the right, and that all conspired to get Republicans elected. That is not a grand endorsement of the Republican vision for America, right? That's just luck. That's all that is. So moving forward, you know, the, the, the two questions that come to my mind are, one, why should I want to maintain these majorities if these are the results I'm going to get, a, a lesser version of the same stuff I get from Democrats, you know, j just not funded, just not, <laughs> just not sustainable, but, you know, all conceding the same premises that they run on, that government ought to provide all of these things. That's number one. Why, why should I want to maintain these majorities? And number two, you know, what's what's the value proposition moving forward to the voter in the middle? You know, the people who are not ideological, because that's the thing is you, you can make the case that only a certain percentage of people care about all this conservative stuff. Right. Only a certain percentage of people care whether or not their their health care takes place in a free market or whether or not, you know, 
government is spending a bunch of money and running up the debt and what have you. And you're probably right. You're probably right. There probably isn't a vast majority of the American people who are deeply ideologically concerned about these things. Nevertheless, what's your value proposition? If you're basically just saying we're going to do the exact same thing that the Democrats are, just less of it, then in the long term, here's the path. Here's, if I was going to advise Democrats, this is what I would tell them to do. If they want to secure total control of everything and keep it for the next several decades, get rid of the social justice warriors, get rid of the, the racially divisive rhetoric, get back on board the idea that the, that the middle class is meaningful, get, you know, start waving the flag, right? shoot up a few fireworks and start talking about how great America is, and otherwise completely maintain your entire program. Because that's basically the national populism of Donald Trump and the Republican Party in 2017. All they have to do is get rid of all this social justice warrior, you know, radical race stuff that they have on the fringes that dominates the conversation and gets all the headlines. Get rid of that, expunge it, be a little bit more mainstream on the social stuff and keep all their economic things. And they basically become identical to the Republican Party, just more responsible because they're actually going to try at least attempt to fund the things that they want to do with government. Going to Jill in Apple Valley. Welcome to Closing Argument. Hey, Jill, how's it going? Hi, good. What's on your mind? Well, I, I was just, you, you said earlier that, um, you know, that young people wouldn't pay for older people's medical costs. But it's not, I don't feel it's painful. All right, it sounds like we're having some technical issues there with Jill. After, after like, the, uh, the eight tone that's what i have to i tried to give her a chance i really did i tried to hang in there she was building up towards some point about you know the young people paying for the old i don't know what it was i gather it was some you know contention with my premise in the next hour we're going to move past all this stuff we're going to get into foreign policy the uh, syrian gas attack and what our foreign policy ought to be this is closing argument my name is walter hudson twin cities news talk am 11 1030 fm TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.